Hello, and welcome to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, broadcasting from the Sanctuary for Independent Media in Troy, New York, on the unceded homelands of the Mohican people, known today as the Stockbridge-Munsee community. I'm Sina Bazilahickey. And I'm Kellen McPherson. Today on the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, first Mark Dunley tells us about the New York State-led lawsuit against PepsiCo. Then Andrea Cunliffe reports on the event that takes uh, the event that look takes place at the time of the signing of the Clean Slate Act. Later on, we hear we continue to hear Willie Terry's roundtable discussion entitled "The Struggle Continues." After that, Brad Monkell brings comedian Aaron Harkin Harkees into the studio. Finally, for this week's talking with poets, Tom Francis spotlights a- Albany poet Victoro Rees Asili. But first, here are your headlines. Nineteen days after the City of Schenectady budget was due, the City Council, in a testy meeting, approved a $110 million city budget for next year on the three to four, um, on a three to four that features pay raises for the council and reductions in overtime spending for police and firefighters. It is possible that the mayor will veto the changes made to his budget proposal, such as slashing his proposed fee hikes for water and sewers. The city faces a projected $7.4 million budget gap for the following year in 2025. A state mid-level upheld court has reinstated a rule a rule that allowed the state health department to lawfully order someone to involuntary isolate or quarantine to control a highly contagious disease such as COVID-19. The court held that the petitioners lacked standings to bring the suit even though they were state and federal lawmakers. The Republican plaintiffs will appeal the unanimous ruling which overturned a lower court's decision. After considerate public protests from local peace activists, Congressmember Paul Tonko has released a statement that he supports a ceasefire in Gaza. However, he appears to support the five-day pause negotiated in exchange for the release of some of the Israeli hostages rather than the broader Congressional Ceasefire Now resolution. Troy Mayor-elect Camilla Montello has announced her first administration appointment, Samus Donnelly, to serve as deputy mayor. An insurance broker, Donnelly has served with the downtown Troy Business Improvement District and the local Pride community. The state of New York has announced $3.5 million in state funding to support environmental justice initiatives being led by more than 20 community-based organizations across the state. Two programs in the Capital District received $100,000 each. The Media Alliance received, that's us, funding for an outdoor environmental education space at the Nature Lab. The Radix Ecological Sustainability Center received funding for the South End Food Sovereignty Education and Climate Justice Project. The Albany Common Council unanimously approved the mayor's budget. The council passed seven amendments, including a $75,000 for every housing vacancy study and an additional $145,000 in funding for the city's police review board. And that's it for your headlines. So PepsiCo, the global soft drink company, is being sued by the New York State Attorney General, Tish James, over the issue of single-use plastics pollution. From the press conference announcing the lawsuit, we hear first from Attorney General James, followed by Jill Jedlica of Buffalo Niagara Riverkeeper. This is by Mark Dunley. PepsiCo, 
the global soft drink company, is being sued by the New York State Attorney General, Tish James, over the issue of single-use plastic pollution. The lawsuit alleges that the soft drinks giant substantially causes public harm in Buffalo, has failed to warn consumers about the potential health and environmental risk of a single-use plastic packaging, and misleads consumers and the public about its efforts to combat plastic pollutions. A survey of identifiable plastic pollution in the Buffalo River found that 17% had been produced by PepsiCo, far exceeding any other source. The lawsuit has been widely praised by activists seeking to curb plastic pollution. Judith Ang, president of Beyond Plastic and former U.S. EPA regional administrator, praised the AG for filing an unprecedented and much-needed lawsuit to hold PepsiCo accountable for its plastic pollution. The responsibility for paying for the damage caused by this pollution should be shouldered by the polluter, not by taxpayers. I call on other attorney generals to consider similar lawsuits to protect scores of other rivers around the nation that are impacted by plastic pollution. In response, PepsiCo said that it is serious about plastics reduction and effective recycling. The lawsuit, however, claims that PepsiCo's statements have misled the public by creating the impression that the company was making meaningful progress towards reducing the use of virgin plastics in its packaging when in fact PepsiCo use of virgin plastics has only increased every year. From the press conference announcing the lawsuit, we hear first from Attorney General James, followed by Buffalo Niagara Riverkeeper, Jill Jedlicka. All along Buffalo River, plastic bottles and snack bags and wrappers, they float on the river and gather at the banks. And what really should be a pristine waterfront and source of drinking water is unfortunately instead polluted, polluted with plastic waste and trash. And people shouldn't have to worry about microplastics in their water, garbage in their communities, and a lower quality of life, all because of rampant trash and plastic garbage throughout the Buffalo River. And the vast majority of that garbage is coming from a single place, a single corporation, the PepsiCo Company. And that is why today my office is filing a historic lawsuit against Pepsi and its affiliates for endangering our environment and posing risk to our public health. This plastic waste is contaminating our fresh water supply and drinking water, harming wildlife, threatening public health, and reducing New York's quality of life. A study by the Buffalo Niagara Waterkeeper found that over the past 10 years, 78% of the waste collected in the Buffalo River's watershed was plastic. Single-use plastic packaging for food and drinks, like plastic bottles and caps and chips and cookie bags and other snack packaging. And based on a survey that my office conducted last year at 13 sites, and I want to thank all of the employees and interns and attorneys who went to those 13 sites along the Buffalo River, the vast majority of that plastic was collected from Pepsi products. In fact, it was three times more abundant than the next contributor, McDonald's. Since plastic does not break down or biodegrade like some natural materials, it fragments into smaller and smaller pieces called microplastic. 
Large quantities of microplastics have been found in the Buffalo River, and an analysis of those fragments confirmed that they are from snack food wrappers and elements that are found in PepsiCo's plastic drink bottles and their snack wrappers. These tiny fragments of plastic hurt our ecosystem and the species that live in our waterways, but they are also so tiny that they pass through municipal water filtration systems and end up in our drinking water. In fact, microplastics have been detected in the city of Buffalo's drinking water. For years, Pepsi has repeatedly misled the public and consumers about the harms of its plastic packaging, and it claims to reduce plastic. Pepsi has tried to appear like it is making meaningful strides towards reducing its use of non-recycled plastic. And Pepsi would make grand pledges about how it would reduce plastic use. But rather than make good on the, those pledges, the opposite keeps happening and plastic usage actually increases. A few years ago, Pepsi announced a goal to reduce the total amount of non-plastic, non-recycled plastic use in its beverage bottles by 35% by 2025. But within two years, Pepsi's use of non-recycled plastic in its beverage bottles actually only increased by 5%. Every New Yorker has a right to clean air, clean water, and a healthy environment, all communities. And that's, that's not just a value statement. That's enshrined in our Constitution. And today we are taking significant action to protect that right for our families here in Buffalo and our communities across New York. Pepsi, which is headquartered in New York, caused a public nuisance by contributing to the plastic pollution crisis in Buffalo. Pepsi failed to warn consumers of the harms associated with its plastic packaging and misled the public about its use of plastic. And there must be consequences for this harm, this damage, this environmental damage. And through this lawsuit, we are asking the court to require Pepsi to stop contributing to this public nuisance that it is causing, to remediate the contamination that it caused, to identify and implement measures to stop its plastic packaging from entering the Buffalo River, and to require adequate plastic pollution warning on significant single-use products. We are also seeking disgorgement, civil penalties, and restitution because we must take bold and decisive action, and we must hold companies that are harming our environment and our residents accountable. My name is Jill Jedlica, and I'm the Executive Director of Buffalo Niagara Waterkeeper. It is an absolute honor and pleasure to stand with the Attorney General, proud to stand with you to begin to hold polluters accountable for the impact that they're having in our environment. Taxpayers, citizens, volunteers, fish and wildlife, local governments, waterways, and surrounding ecosystems. Those are who pay the price of pollution from single-use plastics. And what's missing from this list are the companies and businesses that are responsible for the production, use, and distribution of these products in the first place. Companies that produce and distribute packaging for their products have already acknowledged that there is a plastic pollution crisis at the local and global level. And we are seeing the negative impact of that crisis right here on our own beloved Buffalo River. Voluntary efforts of producers to reduce or eliminate plastic pollution is not working. It never has. Companies that produce this plastic pollution should not rely on local governments, 
community volunteers or nonprofit organization like ours as the basis of their waste management strategy for all of eternity. Our Buffalo community fought for over 50 years to secure hundreds of millions of dollars to clean up toxic pollution, restore habitat, and restore communities around the Buffalo River. We here are an international model for success and collaboration where all parties in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors took on responsibilities and shared the cost to make this restoration possible. But as a Great Lakes community who has been oppressed for too long by the environmental damage left from our industrial hangover, we will not sit idly by as our waterways become polluted again, this time from the ever-growing nuisance of single-use plastic pollution. The convenience of containers used for mere minutes can take hundreds if not thousands of years to break down. And only then do these materials break down into microplastics that find their way into our fish and wildlife, our drinking water, and even our own blood. The amount of single-use plastic pollution continues to grow as leadership from mega producers continues to disappear or their responsibilities deflected to others. Here in Buffalo and Western New York, where community voices and community actions have affected significant environmental change and improvements, once again, it is the work of our organization, our staff, and our volunteers who contributed to the tedious methods of citizen science and data collection efforts that document the scale and the scope of plastic pollution in our local waterways. For nearly two decades, Buffalo Niagara Waterkeeper has coordinated annual shoreline sweeps and the monitoring of our waterways. And without a doubt, it is the disposable single-use plastic containers and wrappers that constitute the majority of items we collect. This has been Mark Dunley for the Hudson Mohawk Magazine. We'll continue updating this story, listen to future episodes, or check our website for updates. Governor Hochul just signed the Clean Slate Act, and on the day of that signing, Andrea Cunliffe was present to report. Michael Perrin of the Office of State Senator Neil Breslin recognizes the outstanding successes and achievements of formerly incarcerated individuals. I'm Andrea Cunliffe of the Hudson Mohawk Magazine, and I bring you a recording of this event with two of the many recipients on this day. This day that the Clean Slate Act was signed by Governor Hochul. The Senator uh, certainly appreciates the contributions that each of these individuals have made to the community. They continue to contribute to this community in ways that probably no one else would know how to do and no one else could do with the dedication and talent that they have. So thanks very much. Lamique Taylor is recognized with great honor. Lamique Taylor is a formerly incarcerated citizen from Albany, New York. He is remarkable in his achievements and unwavering dedication to positive change in our community. During his incarceration, Lamique demonstrated exceptional commitment and determination by earning a bachelor's degree in social studies from the Bard Prison Initiative, culminating in a senior project entitled Existential Black Trauma, Evaluating Incarceration, Mental Health, and Trauma Within America's Socio-Carceral Imago. And Lamique's aspirations to build a career in the mental health field and his unyielding effort in advocating for equity and inclusion exemplify his exceptional leadership and unwavering commitment to the well-being of our community. Lamique, as a system-impacted individual, possesses invaluable insights into the urgent need to end mass incarceration and to champion the rights and inclusion of those from under-resourced communities, ensuring that no one is left behind. 
Since his release, Bamik has diligently collaborated with numerous organizations, including Locked Up, Not Out, The Prisoner's Brain Trust, The Chris Wilson Foundation, All of Us, The Release Aging People in Prison Campaign, The Center for Community Alternatives, The Barred Prison Initiative, and more. Mamik's work has addressed a wide range of critical issues, such as alternative pathways for youth, voter awareness, non-traditional mental health treatment, the Fair and Timely Parole Act, the Clean Slate Act, and improved access to higher education. We honor Lamik Taylor. Good afternoon, my name is Lamik Taylor. I am a formerly incarcerated individual. I tend to lead with that because Despite that label, I would love for people to recognize the humanity in me despite a felony. A lot of times when we think about incarceration and the impact that the prison industrial complex has on our society, we begin to look at incarcerated individuals as less than human or not human at all. However, the work that we do in our communities, the collaborations made between us and all the organizations and people in society at large, and our ability and capacity to collectively gather with one another and implement events like this show and speak to the fact that we are still community members as well. Thank you for appreciating the individuals who make impacts in our community, the credible messengers who have the ability to speak to those who often feel isolated and alone as if they have no outlets to express their angers, their frustrations, and their sorrows. The prison industrial complex was not made for rehabilitation. Right now, there are important bills on the floor, such as the Fair and Timely Act and the Elderly Parole Bill. We need more people in our communities that have the ability and power to speak to those who others can't connect to. And for this reason, we need to bring more of our leaders home. Lamique Taylor's here. You've just been given an award today. Yes, today I was given a proclamation award to celebrate the successes of formerly incarcerated individuals as leaders making positive impacts in their community and to radically reshape the narrative that incarcerated individuals or formerly incarcerated individuals are not a part of our community at large. And so you were given this award for the work that you do inside, outside? So I was given this award for the work that I've done inside, which is op-ed writing and legislative analysis and speaking to various issues around some of the social ills we find in our society. But I was also given this award for the work that I've done inside translating to work outside, which is culminates in working with various organizations and speaking in various communities for instance, raising voter registration awareness, uh, creating alternative pathways for youth, and advocating for alternative ways of addressing conflict opposed to violence. Well, you were incarcerated for how long, by the way? So I was incarcerated for 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, but wow. during that time, you ended up getting a degree at Bard, is that right? Right, so during that time, uh, I applied to get into Bard College in 2017, uh, got accepted, ended up getting ultimately a bachelor's degree in social studies. Also, I did various intercollegiate debates with other colleges such as Duke University, Morehouse, UPenn. I got my bachelor's degree and now I'm actually looking to continue my education now that I'm home. 
you're from the capital region. Are you working with projects in the capital region? So right now, I'm working on a way of expanding one foundation I work with, which is the Chris Wilson Foundation, and helping adolescents who are locked up in adolescent facilities um, find access to alternative ways of success. But my passion right now that I'm actively working on is immersing myself in the mental health field and then developing an alternative model to allow people to gain more access to mental health treatment that they need instead of being left out and excluded. Well, it's certainly important right now. Certainly. So what do you see in the future for you? I see nothing but positivity, success, and just building community and spaces and that we wouldn't normally think that community could be built in. And I just ultimately see myself as an individual constantly striving and working with those who feel like they have no outlet and helping them see that there are always options and avenues for change. Thank you so much. So now I want to talk about John Romano. He is being recognized as a formerly incarcerated citizen residing in the capital region for his extraordinary commitment and dedication to personal growth and community betterment. During his time in prison, John's achievements included obtaining his graduate equivalency diploma and associate's degree and serving as a teacher's aide. John has excelled as a co-facilitator of the Alternatives to Violence Project, empowering individuals to lead nonviolent lives through affirmation, respect for all, building and enhancing community, cooperation, and trust. Upon uh, release from prison, John continued to make a positive impact on our community by running a clothing pantry in a homeless shelter and sharing his personal journey at the CPAS conference in Saratoga. He addressed over 100 law enforcement officers about the root causes of his past actions and how to prevent others from following a similar path. John has maintained an ongoing relationship with the FBI Behavioral Analyst Unit contributing valuable insights on crime prevention. He has furthered his impact by speaking at the FBI's Task Force Officer Symposium in Albuquerque, New Mexico, addressing over 200 officers from around the country on effectively working with troubled youth who may pose a threat to themselves or others. John's journey is a testament to the transformative power of rehabilitation and second chances, and he serves as an inspiring example of formerly incarcerated leadership that makes a difference in our communities. We honor John. Thank you very much, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, as we're talking about parole, justice is one of the themes. Let me tell you that I was released from prison in 2020 despite the parole board saying that I should not be released. You know why that is? I was serving a determinate sentence. The parole board had no say over my release, and yet they still wanted me to stay in prison. Why? because of the nature of my crime, something that I could not change during my incarceration. I worked towards bettering myself and being somebody who could come home and be a productive member of society. The parole board still said no, even despite having no say over it. That's the type of parole system that we're working with right now. And that's the type of thing that we need to be working against because they are not interested on people re-entering into society and being helpful members of the community. Tiana was able to mention, I've come home. I've worked at a homeless shelter, helping those who need it most. 
And then when I was able to talk with law enforcement, which I'll be honest, I was a little hesitant at first, but they reassured me. They're trying to work with the youth. They're working on proactive measures. And they convinced me that, yeah, I would want to talk with them and share my story and my insights into what led me to commit the violent crime that I did and how we can help prevent others from following the same path that I did. And then sure enough, the FBI reached out to me. What a privilege that has been, because again, I've been working with a unit of people who are working on how they can help the youth, how they can prevent violent crimes from happening. And this is all because, despite the parole board say, I was able to come home. And I think that other people should be able to come home. Another thing is, since I've been home, I've been the victim of a violent crime. For those who don't know, I was attacked while I was working in the homeless shelter. But you know what? The man who attacked me, he deserves the opportunity to turn his life around. He left me forever crippled. My hands don't work anymore. But you know what? Like I said, he deserves the opportunity to turn his life around just as I was able to. And I hope that one day he's able to come home and to make a difference in the community. I hope one day that we all see that happen. So I'm fighting for the elder time, you know, Sorry, I'm a little emotional at the moment, but I'm fighting for parole justice, and I think that we can make a change in the system to bring people home and to have a safer community. Thank you. Thank you to Tiana Taylor, who hosted this event. This has been Andrea Cunliffe for the Hudson Mohawk Magazine. That was a report after the Clean Slate Act was passed. Andrea Cunliffe was there. We've been reporting on this issue. You can find more stories if you'd like to learn more about the Clean Slate Act. For those just tuning in, I'm Kalen McPherson. And I'm Sina Bazila Hickey. You're listening to the Hudson Mohawk Magazine on the Hudson Mohawk Radio Network on WOOCLP 105.3 FM Troy. WOOGLP 92.7 FM Troy. W-O-O-S-L-P 98.9 FM Schenectady, and W-O-O-A-L-P 106.9 FM Albany, also streaming online at mediasanctuary.org. This program comes from the Sanctuary for Independent Media in Troy, New York. If you like what you hear, you can support this program by telling a friend, family member at these upcoming Thanksgiving events, maybe? Mm -hmm. Find today's stories and more at mediasanctuary.org. Next, roaming labor correspondent Willie Terry continues his roundtable. The struggle continues, this time with freedom fighter and civil rights icon Mukasa Dada, a.k.a. Willie Rick, who coined the slogan, Black Power. Willie is joined by Carlos Duflar and Angel Martinez, also joined in on this discussion. I like to say that we all have history like that because I came in at 17 and the anti-war movement, and my organizer was Gwen Patton, that she passed away. So I could say that we all have history to deal with this, and I just wanted to just mention a few words that I wrote, but it's a whole long thing. Let's make history from darkness come sunlight, the countless minutes of the wordless sound. Liberty cries in a house of injustice where blood covered the earth with death and sickness. Tomorrow comes the children, who will be the saviors. We were all young people, to restore ourselves to justice, to peace, and not to war. Sometimes I dream that things were normal, but I believe in the faith of struggle. Before sunrise yesterday, the struggle spring morning on April the 15th of 1960 in Rolling North Carolina, the earth 
bore witness to the voices of those who brought light to the earth, for justice to speak before us, for human rights that are never given. It is the sacrifice of the struggle and the martyrs who gave birth to the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. That's right. We heard the voices of freedom that never dies. Our ancestors, the mirrors, the thousand stars of the broad daylight. Let us dance from there, O oh mother, O oh mother of the earth, that I should live in five moments to rest in peace and to a new star of life for the children of our village. We will see rain plots to shine at night. For Alice stood with African liberation, with human rights and the Puerto Rican liberation struggle against the masses of colonialism, a voice of the youth that taught us the science of struggle, that the future will lay with freedom, where we all sang, who who believes in freedom until it comes. I want to honor all of us. This poem I wrote on the 100th anniversary of her birth and life. And I just wanted to say, I want to thank all of us, all those who were before me and they were older than me, but taught me to this day that struggle is every day. It's not just tomorrow, That's not right. just It's the many elders that are still there. And I want to honor Dada because he stood up and he's still here. Mm -hmm. And we, we didn't see each other in 1998 because Alan was in recognizing, but I was there when uh, Kwame Touré was there and he passed away. But I want to say to all of us, many of us are, are returning back to ancestors. And I feel honored to play a part in bringing him because we need to honor all of us that have been struggling. I don't want to be a hero. There were many people who were heroes before me that gave me the life. Thank you. Okay, Angel, you there? Yeah. yeah, you want to say anything? Tell them that you want to say. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, with much appreciation to Brother Makasa Dada for all your uh, sacrifice and courage. It's just hard to put into as many words. My father over here definitely could. <laughs> so, but uh, definitely, he's been telling me he's been telling me about you for ages. Let me tell you, I can't even remember the first time he mentioned your name, and that's how long I've been hearing about these stories. Hear this? Uh, I mean, just hearing about Snick from the first person is just simply uh, a power to behold. Just to keep these stories going. So, I mean, I mean, I say these words with deep gratitude because. More people need to hear the story. I mean, people, um, I mean, the mainstream history is always about people, persons, individuals. We have to look at the whole movement and understand that Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee was pivotal in giving so much to the movement. And now it's time for the uh, acknowledgement. While we still have a, the veterans were still with us. Let them all get the acknowledgement they need and deserve. And so, I say uh, thank you so much for uh, everything you've done. I want to thank also, I want to just say one more, but I want to thank to Sammy Young, to Rob Featherstone, to Chair Payne, 
to many people that passed away, to James Foreman, to Rap Brown that's still in prison now because he spoke out. And we got to honor him and we got to get him out of the hellhole of that federal prison. I want to thank all of them that gave life and also to a good friend that passed away years ago, Cornell Reagan of the old freedom singers. I want to honor all of us. To Fannie Lou and many other people. Like they say, it was to cultivate us as organizers, as field secretaries to organize the people, not just one leader and make him a guru. We were all leaders. Thank you. Okay. You know, I have a, a question I want to ask you, Mikasa, but I, I just want to get some clarity. You know, when you talked about, you know, your life and how you got them, but what was the one key thing that pushed you over to the movement? White folks. <laughs> uh, them Zionist Jews, uh -huh. Israel, <laughs> United States, I mean, even South as a, Africa, apartheid. Right, but even as a, a young, young person just getting involved, you, you, those things was happening? Well, it was happening. I just didn't know they was happening. Couldn't explain them. All I know out that uh, black folk was doing what they were taught to do, be good slaves. And, and we had a group that started rebelling. Uh -huh. And when I saw them rebelling, I got into rebelling. And uh, all I knew at that time, we were fighting against uh, these white folks and what they were doing to us. Uh, or just that situation. I didn't have no other information. What about, your, know, what about your family? You know, were they... My family picked cotton for white folks. I used to go down in the country in Alabama and pick cotton for $3 a day, work about 16, 14, 15 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And my mama picked for a quarter a day and uh, lived out there on the land. And, you know, and and, and he had to say yes to the white folks and you live just as a regular old slave. Mm -hmm. But at, that, at some point, all that stuff came and, and it happened and, and we came together and started protesting. And like 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 Carlos said, Sammy Young Jr. went into a bathroom that said white only when he came out. A white man named Diamond Beckwith, not Diamond Beckwith, uh, Seagram, shot him in the head with a shotgun. And he had been in the United States Army. Fannie Lou Hamer lived on the plantation. She went out and tried to register to vote. And they beat her and jailed her and, and what have you. And, and she became a great spokesman uh, for the revolution, for the movement. So you had different individuals that gave them lives that made up SNCC or made up the movement and that uh, just the wind of freedom was blowing. And I found myself getting in those little demonstrations, standing in front of theaters and protesting, speaking up. And as I began to speak up, especially when they called us together in SNCC, we became a, a, a organized voice, and ENCC made us all stronger. So, what? Just a question. What were some of the, the most important, let's say, lessons that you got out of your journey during the civil rights movement? Organization, organization, and knowing that it just wasn't me out there doing it, or me or five or six people in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I was, but we linked up with other brothers and sisters all over the country that later linked us up 
to African people all over the world. South Africa, we join in with that movement. We help fight with Angola, Mozambique, Zimbabwe. We end That's up right. joining the Vietnamese Revolution, helping the Vietnamese defeat the United States. We In 1965, we went to the United Nations and kicked the South African embassies and me, Foreman, and, and, and uh, uh, a bunch of us went to jail up there, about five or six of us. We joined our movement with South Africa. When we found out what was going on in Angola, Mozambique, Zimbabwe, we joined our movement with that, and they were shooting down planes and fighting a revolution. In, in 1967, when the United States invaded, when, when Israel invaded Egypt, we joined in with the uh, uh, Egyptians against Israel. We spoke out against Zionism, which we're speaking out against it today. We support the Palestinians. We condemn Israel. We condemn the United States for being uh, in Vietnam. We condemn the United States for the role they play with the oppressing the people in South Africa and the rest of Africa. And today we condemn the United States for being an intimate part of Zionism, an intimate part of Israel, and committing genocide on the Palestinian people right now. So this is an ongoing series. This is part two. To hear more of this series, go to our website, mediasanctuary.org. Now removing to our comedy segment. Uh, now I'm going to turn it over to Brad. Brad, who'd you bring in this week? Hi, Kaylin. I'm so glad to be joined this week by uh, the not only very funny, like we usually have in here, but also very musically talented Aaron Harks. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you, Brad. Thank you all for having me. Um, and uh, it's it's great to talk to you and catch up a bit because, um, you know, you were the person who told me where to go when I first wanted to get involved in comedy. You told me where to look for the open mics, and I credit with you, you with really helping me out at that time to put me in the right direction. Oh. And um, you're also just an inspiration of someone who's already killing it in music and has been killing it in comedy off of music, which is a scary thing to be trying to do. Well, that's very sweet of you to say. Thank you very much. I'm happy that I could inspire um, I like that we're both exhausted, so yeah. I think that you're getting it. Yeah. It's it's a lot, and then radio on top of it. It's yeah, <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> it's a lot. Um, but um, and like I said, it's it's nice to have uh, inspiration and someone who's showing that it can be done. Um, before I, I mean, I want to talk about your podcast that you just started recently, uh, Mistress of None. Yes. But first, I just want to um, say that I'm also. Uh, very uh, happy for you that you just started your new songwriter showcase at Cafe Lena mm -hmm. on the last Wednesday of every month. And I'm very excited to hear your new album coming out, um, Uncle Ernie. Uncle Ernie, and, yep. Um, I, was, I was a big fan of your last album. Thank you. Zoloft and Probation. <laughs> so it's um, I'm excited to see the follow-up. But I want to talk a little bit about Mistress of None because the, t like the name of that podcast comes from the fact that you are pulled so many different ways because yeah. you do so many different things. So, uh, you know, in your journey as an artist, how do you feel like you you think of that concept now? Because to me, it's 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 frustrating to think of that like idea, the master of none idea. You want to think you can transcend it, but like, how do you feel about that as a concept? Well, it was it was uh, one of the first people that I had thought about speaking to and I, I still didn't have a concept for the podcast I just knew that I wanted to do one and um somebody goes god I feel like you do everything and I said yeah but I'm not good at any of it <laughs> you know and then I laughed and I was I thought of the concept of you know master of none which 
also made me laugh because why is the female component of master mistress? Like, you know, wow, thanks, um, English language. Uh, (laughs) But that just also made me laugh because I can be tongue in cheek, obviously, like I have a comedy series that's called Women Aren't Funny. So clearly I'm able to poke fun at myself, which is where most of my humor is derived. Uh, But I I just wanted to start a podcast for a long time just because it's kind of the thing to do. Mm. And that title just occurred to me and I ran with it and I've been interviewing some of the most fascinating people in the capital region and beyond and I'm just having a blast doing it. Yeah, well, I'm I'm glad you are finally doing because it's overdue. It's like you're already doing so much and for most comedians, it's like they might as well have podcast also because i want to hear more about what's going on not not just you know yeah well the process conversationally yeah i think it's important to talk about and um like somebody said to me they're like oh god isn't it hard to to talk and i'm like have you met me like i (laughs) this is what i was born to do but i'm always watching what other people are doing people who have careers that i'm inspired by and um aspire to and that's what i see i see that they have a podcast. I see that they've got a YouTube special. I see that they've cut albums. And so I try to emulate that and do that for myself. And if I started, the good thing about having all of these pots going at the same time is that if one of them isn't nourishing me, I can just turn the burner off, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I'll have plenty of other things to do. Yeah. Um, well, w- one of the first things I noticed when I started to add comedy on top of music it was, I got a lot of people who would say, you should do this and this with your bass, or you should, <laughs> this would be a real funny act for you to do. When you started doing comedy, what are, what are some of the worst ideas oh my. people gave you to include your music in your comedy? It's so hard to pick because they're all terrible. <laughs> Not a single person has ever gone, you should do this. And I've gone... That's a great idea. It's never happened. Not once. Comedians know not to tell one another things like that. If, if I'm having a conversation with another comedian friend of mine and one of us says something funny and the other one goes that, that, that. And then you're like, yep, hold on. And we write it down. That's different. When somebody that knows nothing about it, and that's usually who it is, because the people that know, know better. Yeah. Somebody that knows nothing about it is like, you know what you should... I got a funny story for you. And I'm like, I'm going to bet right now that it's the least funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm not going to want to use any of it. And like, it just, people, they don't get it. Like what's funny to you or like what situations you've had at work. I'm glad that you find that funny because there is a lot of, you know, healing and laughter, but it's really, it's not funny at all. And I'm not going to talk about your day job on stage. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I mean, I feel like it's so hard to even like take someone else's idea and put it in your own voice, let alone with a whole. If if you're gonna add the concept of another of music or something, I mean, have you done music I as part not. of your comedy? Good for you. Yeah, I keep them very separate. I mean, when I do music, when I do original shows, I tend to talk in between, and it, you know, people are like, "You're gonna do comedy tonight?" I'm like, "Well, I can't leave it at home." So you know, sometimes yeah. it's funny, but I've never. It's never occurred to me organically to write a song. There was only one song that ever popped into my head, and it was just so timely that if I didn't do it that week, it it wouldn't 
like have worked. And I was like, I'm not going to spend time writing something that's only going to be funny this week and never funny again. And um, so I, anything would feel really forced and it has to be really good to be yeah. done right. And I just, I'm doing them both, you know, simultaneously and that's fine. Yeah. Well, good for you not forcing it because yeah. it's like, it's, there's so many people who like do the, the music thing halfway and it's, you know, it's one thing if you're, um, you know, if you like, if you want that to be your, your shtick and you have like a whole act around it, but I, I like your writing and I like that it's more that you just own that. Cause I, maybe I'd like do a specific show where I'm hosting mm-hmm. with bass as like an element of like the music of the show or something, but just to like sit up there and play a bass line while I tell jokes, it just feels cheesy no the only person i've ever seen pull off anything like that is dimitri martin yep with the and he's a god like he did it nobody else you leave it alone he he has done it to perfection just it's it's done same reason i don't do a bunch of one-liners because i'm not trying to do what someone else already did he's got unnecessary bells bells are off the table now you're not allowed to do it (laughs) well that one i was thinking about (laughs) no brad no you asked me for my advice (laughs) i'm telling you do you have any ideas for me as for bass playing with comedy yeah leave the bass at home (laughs) and tell your jokes okay good because i would hate to have to bring that to anywhere else it's already tough enough bringing it out like seinfeld now like (laughs) i still need to learn that like i've tried it you haven't then you're doing yourself a huge disservice okay good <laughs> oh uh, we'll see we'll no, see if i get separate. to it um all right well uh we, we gotta wrap up pretty soon a quick question um you you're you're definitely like on your last album it wasn't clean right oh god no because but i know there's certain like jokes on there that work really well clean the one with like uh the woman in the bathroom where she where uh she's she's like you shouldn't have your phone out in the oh, bathroom yeah. <laughs> because because there's like poop flying around there and they're like well, you probably shouldn't have your mouth open yeah you should like, probably so stop many, opening your mouth in here yes yeah, like some of the, those bits work really well clean do you have you had to work clean before and how do you do you feel like you like or are good at like getting into that mindset um i can work clean if i have to there's some jokes that i hate to rely on the f word but there are some jokes that just the punch hits different when you can use it only like i would say only once or twice i have a joke like that um i can work clean um my jokes aren't really like dirty they're just i just tend to swear a lot that's just how i talk uh but i can leave that at home when necessary but you know. Well, yeah, because of radio. We were talking about this before, yeah. so I just thought I'd ask I, about yeah, it. Yeah, I know how to be a grown up. I know how to. No, not. you're very professional. I, I try. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you so much for joining us. Before we wrap up, quick, can you just uh, let everyone know, you know, what what your uh, website handle is and Instagram? Yeah, and Facebook? you can find me at AaronHarks.com or at AaronHarks. It's H A R K E S. And uh, if you're not. Like you have to actively avoid me to not see what I'm doing because I'm all over the place. So. Yep. And you're at Cafe Lena every last Wednesday of the month mm-hmm. for your songwriter showcase. And your new album, Uncle Ernie, is out on December 6th. Correct? Yes. Cool. Um, and uh, you also have the podcast, Mistress and Nun. So you're killing it. You're working so hard. So keep it up. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thank you, Brad, for bringing in so many interesting comedians week after week. Really appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having us. Have, both have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you, too. Thank you. To close out the show, Tom Francis showcased Albany poet Victoria Rees Asili and includes reading from the stage at the Linda WAMC's Performing Arts Center. Making his, making his home in Albany, New York, Victoria Reyes Asili 
has a PhD from the University at Albany, where he completed his dissertation entitled Mic Check, Finding Hip-Hop's Place in the Literary Milieu. He holds an MFA in Creative Writing and Poetry from the Vermont College of Fine Arts. His poems have appeared in many literary journals, including the Ascentos Review, Word Riot, Pilgrimage Magazine, and Obsidian. In addition to his work as a scholar and poet, Reyes Cecili has been a lifelong activist and served as the executive director of the Social Justice Center of Albany for 11 years. On August 5th, 2023, he was one of the poets who shared his work at the Linda as part of a night of poetry and spoken word presented by the Hudson Valley Writers Guild. So I'm going to read some poems from a um, chapbook that I've written. It's called uh, um, Crown Me, uh, an American uh, American mixtape. It's basically, th there's three poetic modes happening here. One is the um, uh, prose poem written in second person. Um, the next mode is the sonnet. So there's a series of sonnets um, that are also entitled Crown Me. And then the last mode is erasure poem. Uh, which this is a poetry crowd, so you actually like know what an erasure poem is. So that's cool. This is the sonnets are all numbered, so when you hear me say the number, then that's a sonnet. Crown me number two. Check mic check one two one two check clear throat. My rhymes descend from some way back Rios with complex themes Soliloquies designed to mesmerize The candle wick ignite These ancient rites get passed around the globe Parts unknown, lo and behold Back in the fold, retell the paradox Untold, this here verse Foretold the second coming, this here The resurrection new from old Remind these fake ancies That my lines is blind like the sun is cold Might a medicine be For healing the world and your spirit Be transformed by that old School redux retold to excavate lost lives, reborn, pause time. You are 14. You have a blue silk shirt. It's new, so you don't have to worry about the wrinkles or the shrinking. You'll put on your acne medication in hopes that the zits won't look too bad. You'll pick at them, of course, disregarding your father's advice. If you pop your zits, you'll get craters like this. At least I don't look like almost, he'd say. You don't look like almost either, but you have craters just like your dad, but not yet. You're still 14 and you have plans. You'll smoke some Chiba for the first time tonight, but only after you swear your friends to secrecy. You might drink some MD 2020. I know, your stomach hurts just thinking about it today. <laughs> But you all know that all of this is just prep for images, an under 18 dance club, your main destination. You'll hope to hook up, you won't. You'll drink several Sprites and one orange juice, and of course, you'll dance to Rob Bass. You'll dance harder than you've ever danced, so hard that you'll barely register that you're not very good at it. <laughs> the DJ will play this track like three times, and on the last one, you will have learned enough lyrics to half rhyme along. Bro, I got an ego. Yo, talking to me? No. Oh. And by now, everyone else knows enough lyrics to do the same in unison. Cause I'm cool, calm, just like a breeze. Rock the mic with the help of easy rock. Only sets the music play. Only cuts the records that I say. Rarely is everything all right with the world. Consider tonight the exception. Yeah. 
And this is one of the erasure pieces. Uh, this one is called 2000 After Big, Big L. Um, this is a um, uh, erasure of his um, track, which was called uh, Ebonics. Um, oh, and this uh, was first appeared in Obsidian. Shout out to Obsidian. Check it. Weed, smoke, mala, kia, coke, a pie, cars, whips, sneakers, kicks, monies, chips, movies, flicks, cribs, homes, cigarettes, bones, a radio, a box, razor blade, ox, fat diamonds, rocks, jakes, cops, rock, got robbed, got stuck, got shot, got bucked, got double crossed, got got punched, got snuffed. You like my slang talking, I'ma never stop. Verse two, a wolf, a crook, mob deep, shook, felony F, got killed, got left, got the dragon, got bad breath, max, relax, guns, gats, condoms, hats, food, grub, victim, mark, ticker, heart, apartment pad, old man, dad, studio, lab, heated, mad, you like my slang talking, I'ma never stop. Verse three, champagne, bubbly, a deuce, honey that's ugly, girl is fine, she a dime, jewelry, shine, and love, you blind, face card, a hundred dollar bill, long stare, a grill, sneaking to a girl creeping, begging, bumming, nothing, coming, taking orders, sunning, hotel telly, cell phone celly, jealous jelly, food box belly, an L, a loss, show off floss. You like my slang talk and I'ma never stop. All right, this is another sonnet, number three. This one is actually also a contrapuntal poem, but I'm not gonna do it. We'll contrapuntal mean we read down vertically and horizontally, but we'll just go horizontal. Pause time, rebirth, lost lives, excavate lost old rhymes, got you folk imagining that some platinum written rap, so give us dap. You feeling that? Reinvent, pick the scab, revise new draft in the lab, pen and pad without a mic. A rhyme grab is on game, it's plus subtract, abacus do the math, so quaint like an amethyst bubble bath. Detox, relax, easy rock, reassess, don't mess with the anarchist anapests. Relapse, reclaim, overthrow, roll, replies, form, lost, respond, prototype is off track, archetype response. Store. Now we, we gotta restock the product. Heard, word, retail, get it back. Yeah. Um, you are 18 now. You just turned it. You're at a bonfire in the woods because this is the type of thing you do when one grows up in Binghamton. You're wearing a Bob Marley tie-dye shirt, red, yellow, black, and green, of course. You are drinking Milwaukee's best, colloquially known as the Beast. To this day, you're convinced that your friends and you came up with the Bears Gnome de Guerre. You'll laugh and joke about various topics and you won't remember as the fire cackles. You aren't sure how exactly, but somehow this dialogue will pour into one of your friends channeling the Trix cereal commercial and casting you as the rabbit, sort of. <laughs> Silly tricks are for kids. <laughs> this friend is Lebanese, you remember this today. You also remember hearing the phrase sand float around and are fairly certain it must have gone his way at some point. None of this is on your mind now, of course. You are too angry, too betrayed, too shocked, too not shocked at all. You will puff your chest, act like you're going to beat his ass. You'll do it in a way that suggests seriousness but offers minimal resistance towards your other friends who hold you back. The beer will fog your memory, trim the edges of the harshness. You'll practically forget by morning. By next week, it'll be as if it didn't happen. By next year, you'll hope you've grown enough to find yourself and not find yourself in such a situation again. You haven't. Okay, this is another sonic. Crown me number one. Cash rules everything around me. 
trochies. Dollar dollar bill do cold cash full blast gotta get it so bad money sweet delectable honey gotta feed my seeds please won't you help me tight squeeze in the bond got alkali mixed rhymes like gold from stone rough is drone on drone so bone cold all alone and I remember windy streets talk hungry walks feet beat the pavement bleak December afternoon stop roll back clears throat sales pitch I got special sets of rhymes get five four ninety nine cents cop an extra set for just one month's rent got that one two one two mic check mic check You're going through old photo albums with your teenage sons, 13 and 15, and there it is. A picture of you, basically the same age as them. You're shirtless, passed out in a hospital bed. You have hoses coming out of your nose. What your sons can't see is that you also have a catheter. You remember waking up with it like it was yesterday. Your mom has been dead for just about two decades, yet here she is making a statement with a simple photograph and an album like a DJ playing one of your greatest hits. You're like 43 now. You will stumble through an explanation of your sons to your sons about why you were in the hospital. You'll half tell the truth, but you don't want to give them any ideas, so you'll hold back some details. Peace out, y'all. For Hudson Mohawk Magazine, I'm Tom Francis. That was Albany poet Victoria Reyes Asili, um, we a really great person in this community. And that is our show. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Hudson Mohawk Magazine. I'm Sina Bazila Hickey. And I'm Kayla McPherson, also your engineer for tonight. We want to thank all of our volunteers who made today's episode po- possible. Mark Dunley, Andrea Cunliffe, Willie Terry, Brad Monkell, Tom Francis, and your co-host, Sina Bazilla Hickey, and me, Kaylin McPherson. This program covers social uh, stories of social and environmental justice produced by the community, for the community, and is supported by independent donations. If you value independent media, consider a gift of a monthly donation as a sanctuary. Standard by going to mediasanctuary.org. We want to hear from you. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Hudson Mohawk Mag or send us an email to hmm at mediasanctuary.org. Tune in weekdays at 7 a.m., 9 a.m., and 6 p.m. to your local news or Steam Sanctuary Radio at mediasanctuary.org. Full episodes and individual stories are available on demand at our website and on our favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you listening and supporting low-power community-based radio and... Uh, We'll be on break the next three days, so uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll be back next week. And happy Indigenous Peoples Week. Mm